Hello and welcome to the latest MadAxeman.com Army List podcast. This week I'm joined again by Dave and Richard and we dive into a match pair of armies. We're looking this time at the Crusades era, and more specifically the Ayyubid Egyptians led by Saladin and the later Crusaders led by Richard the Lionheart. These are two of the most epic, famous, historical, movie-worthy armies um, of their time, but they do seem to get relatively little play on the tabletop. So we've got six lists for you, three from each side, and we dive into a bit of the history as well, a bit of the figure selection, and think about how to possibly even use them in a competition as well. So sit back, enjoy the podcast. This means war. Well, look, welcome again. This um, this rolling series of podcasts about armies, which are maybe not as good um, as they should be, but are quite popular, continues. I'm joined here again by um, by Richard and Dave. And last last time we did the ancient Britons and the Caledonians and the Scots in a sort of historically geographically appropriate pair. This week we're doing um, a matched pair. We're going kind of a bit back to the the Hundred Years War format. And we're looking at two armies from, from a little bit earlier than that, which were classic, classic foes, but which neither of which you see all that often on the table. And, and we're trying to pick some nuggets out of both of them. So what we're looking at this week is, is the Crusades, um, and more specifically, the, the sort of second half of the Crusades in the book. And that's the two lists we're looking at is 187, the later Crusaders, and 199, the Ubid Egyptians. So so these are the armies of, of Richard the Lionheart and, and of Saladin, two of the, the legendary leaders, one, one a legendary leader of, of English, British history, one, um, one of the great strategists of, of all time in, in some ways, um, a, a, a uniter of, of various different <laughs> dispersed lands and, uh, and successful ejector of the Crusaders from the Holy Land. But um, you know, it's, it's an interesting period, I guess. Part of it is, is almost starting by by that artificial division with the um, with the early Crusaders as well, but the later Crusaders starts um, in eleven forty seven and and runs to thirteen hundred. But uh, it obviously there it, it covers multiple different Crusades. But in terms of the different things which happened over that period, how how well do you guys think the list actually reflects the history, the the armies, the the, the variety of crusades there and, and the local kingdoms and the other ones because there's there's some interesting troop types isn't there yeah i think uh you know you you get quite a lot of flexibility um you it, it is quite a lot is happening over that 150 years you through the allies you get the options of bringing in the french and germans for the the second crusade um i think then you know you you could debate whether you should have more distinction for times when there is an actual crusade going on, where you have a lot more powerful presence of, say, European royalty versus times when it's more just a local crusades army, as at the Battle of Hattin in, in I think it's 11, in the 1187 or whatever it is, uh, in, in which case the Holy Orders quite often play a more dominant role. And their role did increase o- over time. I mean, they were almost non-existent at the beginning. And by the end, they were major landholders. So that that almost would be one of those um, 
you know, dreaded um, early Roman <laughs> list notes that could get misinterpreted to say, you know, if it's a crusade, you should be using more impetuous knights. Um, if it's a, a non-crusade period, you should probably be having a, a smaller number of the, the impact knights elite to, to represent the holy orders. That's that's presumably how you do it. But But I guess then the army actually naturally scales up and down quite yeah. quite well you know it, it could support this list would do a small force or a or a major a major host going to a big battle yeah exactly and um those that list of allies is pretty eclectic isn't it there's a lot of history going on there right you know I, I, i've obviously i've um even my kind of limited reading knows about the local arab allies and the factionalism and the you know the infighting even between crusader cities that that work with some of those older ones but sort of the the, the byzantines the um and the armenians particularly seem kind of interesting um ones in that that sphere of influence i don't know how much the you know was this the common enemies is that when that was sort of a rump state or was it still a a substantial state reaching down into syria at that point in time Menons are um more involved with the first crusade i i would say but they i'm not that they fought alongside the crusaders but they fought you know um i'm not even sure what happened between 1163 and 1169 well. <laughs> one of the crusades where the commanders got involved well uh, one of the the big changes of course is in 1204 when the crusade gets redirected i think by the venetians and ends up conquering constantinople itself um and you you get that in the Eastern Latin Empire list, what one eight nine, you know it, it it is it is a period of very fluid alliances, and as you see there from some of the date options, you know some only exist in a single year. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So once once the Crusaders had been on the ground for a few years, yes, there was a religious element, but politics often trumped religion in who was siding with whom. Um, and, and then right at the end of the period, you even get the Mongols appearing on the scene. Um, and you have several changes of government uh, on the on the uh, Muslim side. Uh, you know, you, you get the disappearance of the Fatimids, the rise of the Ayyubids, then the Mamluks, or the independent emirs. Uh, so it, it's a fascinating period it makes a great setting for a campaign game um because you can have lots of little armies as well as a few big ones and every so often a big european crusade turns up for a few years uh, and then tends to ebb away <laughs> yeah because then um, you know having a total mongol ally in there maybe a few loose mongols as an option would be more of a appropriate but it make, it gives it a lot of flavor doesn't it Actually, yeah, adding a couple of Mongol horsemen in would be um would be kind of interesting. And then and then there's that sort of unique period of um Richard the Lionheart when um the sergeants and the crossbowmen get changed for these sort of mixed formations, which um it's a very it's a literally it's a two-year period. Is that almost recreating one particular battle, or did he um did he actually come up with a different way of fighting, or is, is that just representing more close more close integration between the two in that particular period? Yeah, no, it very much reflects his um, tactics for us, the Battle of Arsouf, and uh, which was a march down the coast, um, trying to relieve various cities and trying to then push on towards Jerusalem, because Saladin had previously um, kicked the, 
the Christians and the kingdom of Jerusalem out of the city. Um, and, you know, to some degree, it then prefigures in the communal Italian list, the rise of these mixed units, whether he created them or copied them, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, it's interesting as well that he isn't, he's made a strategist in the feudal English list, but he's not a strategist here, whether that reflects the, um, you know, the falling out with, with Philip Augustus and the tensions amongst some of the, the nations, I'm not sure. Um, but it seems a bit unfair that he's named and yet yeah. he doesn't get his strategist yeah. the way he does in the other list. I think whether it is, is this one he lost though, you know, if, if you're in a list where you only commanded the army for a couple of years and you got beaten, it probably is a bit tricky to call you a strategist. Well, he, but, no, um, he, he was never beaten. He won all the battles, but what he failed to do was capture Jerusalem. But he won, he could right. win set battles, but because of the supply and logistics issues, he struggled to take the city. But he did win the right for pilgrims to enter, the Christian pilgrims to enter the city. And that's when he decided to, to head back to France. I guess, you know, objectively, you know, much as we, we all sort of, love him with our English hats on if if you're going on a crusade and um, and you come up a little bit short on the capturing Jerusalem front that probably does slightly disqualify you from the top honours doesn't it you know that's not um that's not particularly perfect in fact it, that mention of our souf that's that's really kind of ping back a memory from probably almost one of my earliest wargaming days um I had I might even still have it on the bookshelf somewhere I had a battle games book of i think there are about three or four of them huge bigger than a4 um hardback things really quite thin that had about four or five games in them and there was a knights at war one and one of the battles was our souf I, I, I will definitely dig it out that's a that's a kind of a moment of history that may be one of my kind of earliest war gaming um proper war gaming things and you had to shuffle along the coast with um trying to keep your crusader force intact while while the um, while the enemy kind of picked away at it with their their cavalry, yeah, it was the Society of Ancients Battle Day a few years ago. So there was a, a okay. lot of updated research and some some good army lists and scenarios written uh, in Slingshot. Did he form yeah. a box and have all his baggage in the middle and shuffled along? Isn't that the one? Yeah, well, it, it was very. It's very much about the use of spears and crossbow combined and and then short well-controlled charges by the cavalry by the knights to drive the saracens off as they would call them yeah, yeah. and um and i guess that you know that division between impact knights and impetuous knights that's your that's your sort of textbook way that these battles got fought isn't it you know the the knights were tempted into rash charges and then drawn out and defeated piecemeal and and sometimes you know that difference between impetuous knights and impact knights is is quite clear but it's is that is that sort of a hollywoodization of it is that a, a genuine way it worked you know because it's a well, hollywoodization there's been quite a few films about it as well i i think that i i disagree with the holy order knights always being impact and the non-holy orders always being impetuous um I think what you tend to find is that any knights who had been in the Holy Land for a long time 
very clearly understood the need for control. Otherwise, <laughs> you got mobbed by the Saracens. Yeah. Whereas knights that were fresh from Europe um, and perhaps had a false sense of cute cultural superiority yeah. would 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 tend to sort of charge and regret it. And the holy orders were, you know, sometimes very gung-ho. And even if the knights were well drilled, their leaders were very brash and, and rash. So I, I think you can you can make an argument for any of the knight figures to be impact and any of them to be impetuous. Yeah, well, think, maybe that's... that's right. I think that's good. But I think having them as impetuous gives the gives the real flavour of the Crusades and that situation where they were. I mean, there's there's the story from um, the Monty Python history of the Crusades of the first time on the first Crusades they met. The Arab horsemen were riding mares and the Crusaders were wearing riding stallions and the mares were in heat and the, chase, the horses were chasing each other backwards and forwards across the fields rather than not the Arab. What? Yeah, I'm not sure quite how you... Um... You include, um, I, I, well, actually a set of rules that's going to include that sort of stuff. I'm not sure I want to be playing, to be honest, really. Terry Jones' <laughs> idea is that the battle was conducted by the horses and not by the generals. Not by the generals themselves. Okay. All right. Well, look, you know, I think that's um, that's a little bit of a romp through the history. Let's, let's move on and look at some of the lists. This means war. So look, what we're going to do is we're going to run through the Crusaders first um, and then move on to the Ayyubids. And, and I think it's fair to say, or, or certainly when I put my list together, it was kind of in mind of this as a matched pair, which is is something that we'll we'll talk about a bit later. But um, Dave, we've, we've got your list up on screen first, your later Crusader. It's It's got initiative of two. Um, difficult to get much more, I guess, with, with this particular list, um, unless you go really big on, on one of the allies. You're a, de a decent 23. Um, you've got you've not used all the command, actually. It's got command of three. You've used command of two. And um, you've got a six, an 11, and then an allied six as well. But look, talk, talk us through what's in each command and, and what your philosophy is on it. Okay. Um, well, I've, I've resisted the Richard the Lionheart option of going with the mixed units. I'm sure we'll come on to that in a bit. In fact, I know we will. So I've gone for the... Um, it's an army I've fought against when the French war gamers like this army a lot. They seem to use it a lot. So you've got a, basically a command of spear and a command of knights. I've gone heavy on the knights, knowing we're talking about a match pair. And I think it's, you know, and what I've done with that is I've used a feudal French ally in command three, which then gives me medium knights, impetuous elite. So I've ended up essentially with, I was almost at eight impetuous knights elite, but um, I've come close. One is not elite, and that's just a matter of getting the points into the army. Um, I suppose that, that's something I think that, I'm trying to remember what one of the other lists was. Maybe that was my, was it my 100 Years War French when it was kind of this army gets medium knights elite. So take a lot of medium knights elite because you can take a lot of them. Yeah. That, that, that's the idea is to just ride down the opponents um i've put in command one which is quite small as a knight command i've also put one of the military orders impact knights and that's my included general just so he doesn't okay. run off and get himself killed 
by advancing on his own too quickly. So you've got a little bit more control over him. Um, if I'd had the points, I'd have got more of the impact elite. But I think I wanted to go strong on knights. I would put the two knight commands together yeah. and okay. spears on one side to control. You know, hopefully you've got a bit of terrain or something like that to you know to hold it. And, and basically, the, the, the idea of the spear command and the crossbow command is the crossbow sit in terrain, the spear sit beside them, and you hopefully can just hold that wing against shooting and things like that while the knights do their stuff. And okay, so that that um that crossbow command you've got so you've got four heavy spearmen with armor, um, yeah. which is an interesting one to to look at. Um you've got a couple of sergeants with crossbow, you you've ducked the pavise, I see. You've got a textbook um, mediocre bowman to give that um three shooting, and then a kind of a, a lightweight mini cavalry command, um, which of a turkopole, a light horse turkopole, and a light horse impact Bedouin. So that's sort of two commands, isn't it? With your brilliant general, you do say you see that on a wing very much. Well, you've got some, you've got some options of combination here. So you can put the brilliant commander on one wing, and you know put the shooting on the outside, and combine it with the cab, the light horse bow, the medium cavalry bow, two crossbowmen, and a mediocre crossbowmen. Just you know, so that maybe the general goes with the cavalry command and they split off just to sort of dick around as we use the sort of we seem to have got into that thing and just slow down the enemy's approach and you want to i'm going to try and get quite a bit of shoot i mean the crossbowmen are going to be good against any cavalry that come by coming by you want the spearmen to protect them and yeah essentially two commands or or you've got the option that you split the two knight commands on either wing and use the medium cavalry and the light cavalry to go and aid one of those and give them width and ability there. So it's kind of flexible. You can put the brilliant commander in the center and use him to operate the light horse and the cavalry out to one side to aid one of the other commands, give them a bit more oomph. Or, you, or you know, with the right terrain, you want to maximize all your hitting power and put all the knights together. Yeah, well, certainly, um, what, four knights in the first one and then um, um, three, four knights in the other one. Eight eight knights impetuous, most of them elite, is pretty, pretty pokey indeed. And um, and six spearmen is going to do, across the French and the other one, is going to do do quite a lot to support them. Um, did you did you think about this one in terms of how it would fight um, an Ayubid list particularly? Is this, you know, wh where are you on that sort of spectrum from... I'd use this generally to, this is kind of optimised for taking on the Ayubids. I, I think um, it, it's pretty optimum for taking on the Ayubids because you've got all the knights and you've got a few cavalry to support the knights and give them a bit of width and that. And yeah, I, I, I suppose I, once I, you get up to eight, eight of the knights, that ability to sort of pull them apart starts to erode a bit. It's just a bit too wide to pull apart. The feudal French commander's got to have a couple of spearmen. I'd, I'd rather have dropped them. I, I did think about in one command having just one of those spears mediocre, which would have given me a few more points to create more knights elites and things like that. Maybe another impact knights elites. But, you know, I'm hoping that, that those the pips, the feudal command, the feudal French command will have enough pips to keep the, the spearmen trolling along behind and keep them up and if you've got that chance of combining the spearmen with the knights that's a great thing or getting those spearmen with the 
brilliant command of spear to combine it up to make a bit. But I think this is the standard way to use this army. And this is, you know, I played this army in competition against French players and they, they find it very popular. In fact, the French players go much heavier on the spear in actual fact. Interesting. Richard, what's, what's your thoughts kind of looking at this one and, um, and picking it apart? Well, I think it, it's got a lot of strength in that, you know, it's, it's got 12 armoured units. It's, it's got another half dozen units that can stand in the line of battle. So 20 gives you quite a lot of frontage. <clears throat> um, I would be a bit nervous you know, if I'm if I'm an Ayubid and I'm looking at that and I'm seeing that so many of the knights are impetuous and so much other strength is in the spearmen, my strategy is going to be to try and slow the spears down and throw light horse in front of the knights, hoping because they're both ordinary generals, eventually they will throw a one and they'll probably be off to the races or a one or a two and they'll be <laughs> off to the races yep. and it's not so much that you you need to split the knights up but you need to separate the knights from the spears because that exposes one end of the knights at least and it also allows you to then perhaps mass your ayubid heavy cavalry against the spears and send them round the back of the spears and so and you're you're basically going to look and divide and conquer because you you can't face the knights frontally until they're damaged yeah i tend uh, to I absolutely agree with that and that's you know, <clears throat> historical works i think the counter to that is that if there were just four impetuous knights on their own charging forward they would get separated from the other commands but when you've got essentially eight knights, that becomes a lot more, um, you know, that gives you a much larger frontage to drive the enemy off. It, it gives them less chance to um, float in front of you, sting like a bee, so to speak. Yeah. So just, just looking at kind of the mass there on that feudal French ally and your, your point about width, Dave, um, you've got 56 points there in, in four knights and two spear. Um, you could um have six i think you could have six impetuous could you have six impetuous knights there um just normal medium knights in a um um you're allowed 10 in the crusader list and normal impetuous knights are 10 points each you've used four in the first command so you could use six <laughs> just six knights in that last command with a um with an included unreliable general get the same effect um you'd have six knights instead of four knights and um well two of them are elite and um and two spearmen but that would be you'd be absolutely betting everything on red with that wouldn't you you'd be you'd have 10 knights in a row and that would be just go away and deal with it you'd lose a bit of flexibility I've, I've, on the tried to, I've tried to make as many of the knights as possible elite you know um I'd, I'd even that last one which isn't elite i would even you know as I say, you could drop one of the French spearmen and make that elite and put some points elsewhere. Um, I think the elite knights are even more bulletproof. I think yeah. there's an argument to drop one of the French spearmen and get some more light foots. You know, the feudal French can have a light foot in there. To, I think the light foot are much better at protecting the knights and getting them to the point of impact. 
you've got probably two rounds of shooting by the Ayubid mounted bowmen before the light footer killed and that way you probably get in your knights in stuck in or at least that's the hope yeah that's the hope okay interesting right let's move on to the next one this means war So Richard, here we are with yours. Um, you've got um, eleven ninety one. You've gone for Richard the Lionheart. Um, hooray! Um, fans of the Disney film will be um, delighted, I'm sure, um, as as well. And um, so, so you've got your twenty three. I think the same as Dave. You've got a five of fourteen. Um, guess who's commanding that one? And then um, a Syrian ally here that snuck in with a, a little four. So. So I'm guessing a lot of it's about that big 14 in the middle, but but talk us through these um, these three commands and, and how they work on their Initiative 2 army as well. Well, here, partly it's about flexibility. So again, I can I can have eight knights together if, if, I, if the terrain um, is appropriate. The idea of, um, I, I thought, I, I, I liked the idea of the armoured spearmen, but I also found them uh, in the end too expensive. So, because I wanted to have that mixed heavy spear crossbow, and this is very much an army designed to fight Ayubid. So you're, that, what I would deploy them is probably spear mix, spear mix, spear mixed. Actually, sorry, just looking, Richard, you've got, um, oh, yes, I see, looking at the list notes here, you replace all of the foot crossbowmen, don't you, with the mixed foot, but you can still have the heavy spearmen. Ah, I bet that's a common mistake people make with this list, actually. Yeah, no, I I, I almost pulled you up on a dodgy list there, but no, that's that's absolutely right. That's all fine. Carry no, on, no, carry on. No yeah. worries. Yeah, so, no worries. so you're, you're sort of pushing your, the whole idea of this is to push with width. So you've got a spear crossbow block which can advance rather than just holding. You've got a, uh, you've got eight knights, and then you've got the Syrians which can flank march, which can redeploy from any position to to any other because you know they they move quite fast. And you know I think they would be particularly useful sitting on the outside of a knight group to to protect an open flank. Uh, in each case as well, I've attached a light horse to the knights. The idea of that is if the opponent is careless, the light horse can whip out behind him and stop him evading while your knights crash into him. And their sheer presence means the opponent is always reacting to that. So they can't be as aggressive with their mounted shooting. So it's it's all about being able to advance on a, a width rather than having to um, hold back part of the line. But there's yeah, enough like, speed and control that I can do that if, if tactically the terrain forces me to. So it's always tempting, isn't it, to try and, you know, you sit in front of a, a mounted type army and you, your first thought is, can I put, shove this off the table? And and here you've got, so, you know, what I always think my, my thing's always the combat frontage. So against a mounted army, four knights and the light cavalry impact, that's kind of the frontage of five. The light yes. horse should find something that's better than that. The central one, you've got seven of the spears and mixed foot, and you've got another four knights, so that's another 11 um, to add to your five. You're at 16. And then probably... 
yeah, there's three of those other ones which in the Syrian ally that are combat troops as well. So you're up to 19 in, in terms of width, which is pretty good out of 23 of stuff that's that's happy to get stuck in and, and get fighting. Even the light cavalry bow, um, elite are possibly push you up to 20. So you're you are two thirds the width of the table there, but um but still that's two thirds and, and one third is is left out. And all your shooting is concentrated in in that central command. Do you well it's that's yes. something there is a bit of shoot, but you can't have everything. It's like there's no. no, I've deliberately dropped the medium foot. I would want to go for a fairly open terrain. But it's the reason for taking the Syrian ally is that that doesn't have to line up base to base with the others, which just allows you to have a more than 20 as a floating frontage, you know, with a few, a few one or half UD, you can probably control a frontage of 24 and you'd hope to have some terrain down um you know in a matched pair competition i might well go for the desert um okay if i won the initiative um or to defend in the mountains just because i suspect my opponent will have more um medium foot than i will if you, if you were doing the um you know the textbook battle of Arsuf along you know inching along the coast um is that something that you choose to do with this army because because i guess then you've got that challenge of do you drop the spearmen next to the coast in which they're a bit of a waste or you know, where, where how do you how do you drop that if you're doing Arsuf well i think you have the sea and seas command furthest from the the river you you probably have the syrians acting as uh, with you know, the impetuous knights under Richard's direct control. And I would probably have the Syrians as an advance guard and the Holy Orders as a rear guard. Um, right. Okay. So, that's it. Right, so Dave, what, what do you think of this one compared to yours? Are you just thinking, sod it, I'll throw knights at it? Or no, I, if I, you're I, in a civil war? I think there's, there's similarities in the terms of we've got a small cavalry force of Arabs and things like that, because I've said I've got that with my brilliant commander. Um, I like the fact of uh, Command 1 has got the four medium knight impact. have got a lot more control over them. They're not going to ride off ad finitum. I would worry about them not having any light foot with them, because I think they will get shot at. Um, I think in this period, medium knights are much more susceptible to, to bow fire from cavalry. So I think they need some uh, light foot to go with them. Um, I think the mixed foot units are really good. However, there is an issue that they can't charge cavalry, as I remember. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. of that. So you have to, I mean, yep. I mean you haven't used Byzantines. They've just got to keep moving forward. In, in essence, they're kind of bowmen more than spearmen, if that makes sense. They can receive a charge, but they can't kick out. I think I prefer having the crossbowmen because the crossbowmen move as fast as the knights and work in combination with the knights. But that's my, you know, one of my preferences. No one's going to yeah. attack. So you, you, you can kick out, you know, if you've got cavalry bow coming towards your knights and you've got the crossbowmen working with them, the crossbowmen get the plus one against mounted and they're going to keep knocking down the cavalry. But so I suppose it's always a toss-up, isn't it, with your when you've got these big sort of spear and shooting formations, whether whether you make it too dangerous for any mounted to come to you, you know yeah. you almost want to draw mounted into a combat in some way don't you but um but but then again these spearmen are all mediocre um and there's only three of the, the sergeants to do it so 
it'd be it'd be a nice looking formation certainly on table as well wouldn't it it would look well, I, think, um, I, I think as you say if you make it quite tough for the the point is where does the enemy cavalry go yeah. yeah. If you've got foot crossbow with spearmen, well, they don't want to really attack that. Yeah, they could they could sit and shoot at it, but they're probably going to get the worst of it. Um, and even if the spearmen are wounded, you know, ordinary bow cavalry won't want to charge wounded spear because they're still zero to one. Yeah. Um, and so you're kind of forcing them in front of the knights because they have to go somewhere. <laughs> Uh, and that's kind of my logic is that you yeah. you don't leave the enemy cavalry happy to sit anywhere in your frontage yeah. and that kind of puts them on the back foot yeah it sort of squeezes them out out somewhere and your army's getting on to being wide enough that, that there's not much space left for for them to go to concentrate on on anything else then all right well that, that's an interesting one um on to the next one this means Okay, then third crusader then list. Um, I've I've ducked the Richard the Lionheart again, um, partly um, just my my normal bloody mindedness to try and pick something a bit more weird. Um, but partly, I think I just looking at it, we talked about it in your list, um, Richard. I suspect I misread that uh, restriction on <laughs> Richard the Lionheart, which is an easy thing to do to think that I had to change all the spearmen as well. But but there's an element of this which is is similar theory to yours but with a slightly different different balance and um and it is again that same sort of theory that um you don't want the knights picked apart but you you are going to probably have to to shove this enemy army off the table in in some way shape or form and and push them forward gently so what i've gone for is is absolutely maxing out the the infantry um, which is a very sort of similar way to, to the way Rich is doing it. But instead of concentrating it in one command, I've split them across two. So so mine's also initiative two, um, competent, competent, ordinary. I get up to 26 because, again, I'm, I'm working on that theory that there's not a massive amount of punch in the Ayubid the army, but it's going to be manoeuvrable. So, and that width is the, um, is the answer to that because it, it is going to... You know, all those cavalry are going to drop on table and, and zoom to concentrate on one point. So, so I'm just being reasonably tough across the whole board. So, so what I've done is, is that first command. Well, the first two commands are very similar, really. Um, the the first one's got five of the mediocre heavy spearmen. Big big fan of that troop type. A um, couple of the light infantry bow, which is, which is a little bit scary. To, to shield five um, heavy spearmen with, but there's also two crossbow pavise in there that can can kick out an awful lot of shooting. And I guess the light tree bow do kick some out as well. Um, so, so you've got a frontage of seven there across the sergeants and the crossbow. The crossbow can kind of either be split up or, or sit together, possibly even go into some rough terrain. That's a frontage of seven. And then you've got two medium night impact. One's elite with an included general. So that's that's nine wide of you don't really want to take this on with, with medium or heavy cavalry um, unless you're kind of bold. The second command is is almost a, a mirror image of that one or, or copy of that one. Five sergeants, two crossbowmen, 
I've only got the points to give one of them Pavise here. So there's one Pavise, one without, two live tree with crossbow. And then the extra bit here, because this is the, the CNC and he's not included, um, I've got two medium night impact, which are not elite this time. They sort of either extend the line or they, they can sit behind and... And if the spear line sort of wants to, to create a gap, you can drive the Crusaders through it. Um, and then just a kind of super comedy, tiny dicky about little extra command to, to look for a flank or look for a gap or or chase someone down if they're trying to run away from it. A, um, a Turkopole medium cavalry bow and a Bedouin light cavalry impact. It's, it's just an extra maneuvering element to, to chase people down. So... So from my um, nine um, wide in the first command, this one's got five, seven, eight, nine with the Crusaders and probably 10, with, 10 11 with the Turkopole and the Bedouin. So these first two commands are, are putting a frontage of, of 20 down. Um, and then I think this is a direct copy of yours, actually, Richard. It's um, well, nearly a direct copy. It's another Syrian ally to, to manoeuvre and, and hopefully get out there to stop um stop the Ayubids kind of squirting away from this real grinding press from the rest of it with with an elite heavy cavalry turkish ghulam um with an included general um heavy cavalry bow two medium cavalry impact and a light cavalry impact as well for i think almost exactly the same four for a 26 so this in this theory of of doing this as a match pair this is this is almost downplaying the knights to to play that game sort of paper scissors stone of what does the enemy expect you to turn up with and and this is expecting the enemy to to turn up with cavalry and and have them expecting to face a relatively small punchy knight-led army um and then find that they've got a broad you know kind of pseudo russ um <laughs> army that's going to try and press them off the table um, ideally doing that arse thing and, and marching up the side of a, a coastline or a river and, and just saying, look, you know, this is this is big, it's wide, it, it nearly covers the whole table. You don't desperately want to be doing anything about it, but you but almost to tempt um you know heavy cavalry or medium cavalry lancers to to having a go against it um with those with those mediocre spearmen and just sort of suck them into a into a bit of a war of attrition. So so it's kind of doing the same sort of thing as yours Richard but with a, a different um different balance partly partly downplaying the knights a bit and using them more as a reserve at the expense of extra width and partly because um because I suspect I misread Richard the Lionheart a bit about the mixed archers because they are pretty good and um, and I might try and want to squeeze them in but, but then again crossbow pavise is pretty cool and the figures look nice if you're doing that as well which is always important so I don't what, what do you guys think of this one do you think this would um Give some Ayubids reason to scratch their heads. I think my Ayubids would prefer to fight this army than either mine or Richard's army. Um, I, th I think you're right if, if you notice the Richard the Lionheart. I think this, the idea of having the spear pushing across the table works. I think the Ayubids are going to be much more happy shooting at mediocre heavy spearmen than shooting at spearmen with armour. Um, and the fact they're mediocre gives them a bit more susceptibility. So they do become a target. I think if you want to use the mediocre heavy spearmen, I think you almost need a few more crossbowmen in the groups because you need to be able to shoot as you go. You've got to put the pressure on. 
the crossbowmen get the plus one against the mounted, and that's that helps them. Um, I think that helps you put the pressure on and force the cavalry back, especially if you've got some mounted. Uh, you know, the, there's mediums um, impact cavalry in these armies and the Ayubid armies. You need to be able to give it, making them a target. Um, you've got the width. Um, I think the Ayubid armies are going to be very happy to try and pick on the Syrian group or ignore one part, you know, ignore one part of the spearmen, pick on another part of the spearmen, um, try and pick off things one at a time. But it, it, it's fine. I mean, you, you're much, much larger than the Ayubid list that I've created, much larger. Yeah, and it's kind of that sort of sucked them into a war of attrition thing. And it is always a, you know, there's a real question. Do you go with fewer, better quality spears or or more crap ones and just accept some casualties and, and and build that in between the difference between sort of, you know, the 22, 23 and the 26? You've got a bit more ability to absorb those sorts of hits. But um, and you're you're giving if you if you're too strong, the enemy don't attack you. And, and that's a bit tricky sometimes as well. Um, I don't know, Richard, it, this is very similar to your list, but, but slightly different. What's your thoughts on it? Um, well, I can see, you know, two distinct pluses of this list versus mine are A, the extra width, or three, in fact, the extra width, you've got no impetuous knights, so you haven't got that control issue. And if you had a big piece of central rough terrain, you could put four crossbowmen in it, yep. which aren't brilliant rough terrain troops, but I've got nothing. So mm. you've got three distinct advantages. The disadvantages, I think, are that with without so much relative firepower or as many knights, if I'm the Ayubids, I'm going to stick medium impact lancers in front of one of those spear commands on, on a flank, hope to shoot you down a bit and almost force, because if, if I can force your spearmen to charge me by pressuring them in some way, a mm. contact, we're one all, you're mediocre and I've got furious charge. Yep. So that that is going to be um, what I would yep, then that, try and yeah. engineer against it. And with 10 of those um and because they're mediocre you're as i say you're not quite able to push the the iu bids as much you at some point are relying on pressuring them with your wit to force them to attack you and if you can engineer that i think you'll win the game if they can engineer forcing you to attack them the Ayubids would probably win. Yeah, and I think it's, it, you know, I did debate about how to spread those four Crusader Knights around um, because, you know, they either, they sit in the front line, which is kind of the no-brainer, I will try and fill the table way of doing it, or they they almost sit behind and you do that kind of, ta-da, the curtains part. And, yes. And the spearmen speak. And suddenly the Crusaders come through a gap in the middle, which does give you the ability to to drive people off because a line of you know yes. medium medium cavalry lancers even if it's four wide is gonna um be quite unhappy if if two medium knights charge into the middle of it they're still gonna give them a huge problem and then that maybe gives you the the option for the 
the sergeants to come in so so i'm looking at it saying five sergeants with spears two with crossbow so it is kicking out a reasonable amount of shooting likely yeah. both sort of help and then if the crusaders can come through at the right part maybe as a reserve and as you say terrain um that this this kind of you know 20 plus wide is sort of based on being on a on a desert billiard table but but if you do get a few pieces of terrain suddenly they're they're running out of spaces to to be able to concentrate on and you've got some ability to deploy reserves there which yep. um which makes it kind of more interesting yep no good uh, yeah dave any um oh, 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 are we done you did i ask you before did <laughs> all right fine we've done that then okay um right so that's good so let's um let's move on and and turn on to saladin's side of it this means war so richard let's start with your um ayubid um gone with the um, with the great opponent to the great general in your crusader army saladin is leading this army as a strategist it's um it's got an initiative of five whoopee do that's re remarkable 22 units which is a nice solid number um a nine and eight and a, a five um no allies here at all and i'm looking at a very long list of um of, of different troop types in each command i think your nine has got eight different troop types in it so it's going to take us some time to go through that do you want to kick us off and um, and start talking us through how this list is put together and what it's going to do so my philosophy was having you know very much in the matched pair sense so i'm thinking you know my opponent's got knights and spears and some foot shooting um so but he, what he doesn't have is command and control so I, my strategy is going to be to maximize command and control in order to kind of play find the lady and, and be able to really shift my point of pressure dramatically throughout the game so again that means no heavy foot um having a little bit of um rough terrain but it's quite rubbish, really. It's a mediocre medium spearman and two bowmen, one of which is mediocre. But it just means that if there is an awkward piece of rough going, I, I am at least able to kind of pin my opponent and slow him down from exploiting that. In each, But in each case, it's really a question of trying to tempt my opponent forward and hit him in the flank with impact cavalry or uh, whether that's light, heavy or medium, while at the same time keeping up a constant barrage of shooting, preferably against that part of the opponent that doesn't have foot shooting. So, you know, up against his knights, up against his light foot, maybe up against spearmen, but trying to avoid, because I'm not expecting my enemy to have more than four or five reasonable foot shooters. But again, I've, I've gone for quite a lot of elite to try and make those shots tell. Because if I can, if I can make a, a non-elite medium knight wounded, well, then my heavy cavalry impact is just as good, but has one more life left. Um, yeah, it's it's a real mix with this army, isn't it? Whether you look at it as a an impact mounted army or as a mounted shooting army, and and I think that's an issue with some of these. Well, a lot of these Arab type armies, they've got the ability to drop um, cavalry in as either either troop type, but but you end up working out have you got the right numbers and you know what's the right number of 
of cavalry bow to stick together to be powerful or cavalry impact to stick together to be powerful so so in that first so command you've got yeah three heavy cavalry bow and one heavy cavalry impact there yeah um, so the whole idea that's the reason for going for the high points so all the mounted bow would be in one movement group and the impact cavalry would be in another movement group and the idea would be to hold the impact groups back um you know maybe behind bits of difficult terrain or something like that use the bow cavalry to shoot up the enemy encourage the enemy to come forward fall back with the bow cavalry and look for opportunities to hit on the flank with the impact cavalry um, and particularly if the enemy has a lot of impetuous knights you can really pull them forward um, in my experience most people will if you're falling back most people will come forward and so you know they'll watch their flanks that they'll protect things but you're hoping that that command and control all you need is that one turn where the opponent throws a one and even if i do i should have the movement for all of my groups and so that it, it's very much it, it's a different kind of war of attrition I'm doing it with movement and command and control rather than uh, cohesion points. Seems um, very very reminiscent of that Byzantine game. Um, we yes. <laughs> my, my Arab, but I think it was my Arabs being um, mad charging forwards at that time, um, was it? I just wonder if, um, you know, you these command groups have got three heavy cavalry shooters and then one heavy cavalry impact and a light cavalry impact is that is that giving you enough impact um you know you've gone heavy cavalry impact heavy cavalry impact elite did you did you consider trying to you know swap that out for a couple of the medium ones or or do you just did, want the quality I'm, of the again army? i'm not i'm not planning to try and hit frontally i'm trying to right. engineer a situation where i'm pinning the enemy to the front with the bow cavalry and hitting them on the flank with one heavy cavalry impact with a light cavalry impact to add a plus one and i went for the heavy cavalry impact because if i'm hitting knights or armored spearmen i don't want them to have that extra saving because i that and again it's why i made some of them in elite that flank attack has to work you know i yeah. um you know and and you know you'd be hope if they're on zero and you're on you know one for cavalry um one for a flank, one for impact, one for a friend. You could be 4-0 up, um, yep. but you really want that to be crushing because you ideally want to kill the enemy at contact. Well, there is that. Um, there's a weird thing that I, I, I think I've only noticed in the last sort of week or so with, um, I think it's page 58 about Furious Charge. We all know that Furious Charge cancels armour, um, you know, if, if you've got it in the first round. But there's a sort of slightly odd one that um, so if you're heavy cavalry impact charge armored spearmen, um, if the heavy cavalry impact lose, they get a plus one for having better armor in the first round, because furious charge ability still cancels armor. Yes. So 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 armored cavalry against armor. As soon as you say it, it's obvious. But um, you know, I guess you don't get many times when when heavy cavalry armored troops charge into um other armored troops and and lose really <laughs> it's just a, a slightly odd one so you're actually not, more resilient really than you think the... 
I thought it was the armour doesn't apply if you're affected by furious charge. Depends what no, the word I think is. if you look on, um, this was one that was pointed out to me just this week, actually. Um, it's on, on page 58 in the... Um, right at the bottom of it, it says the armor and heavy armor abilities do not apply during the first round of melee if the opponent has the furious charge ability. So you could actually cancel heavy armor. Um, okay. Uh, armored troops, it's amazing, isn't it? But you know, it, it comes into effect very rarely. So that is our reason for the heavy cavalry. Maybe make means they can actually have more of a go of even charging spears frontally sometimes. Um, well, and another one so people wish. forget is that if heavy cavalry hit the flank of heavy spearmen, they're on a basic factor of one, not a basic factor of zero. Yeah. And that yeah, can also makes a huge difference. Enormous, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely enormous. So, so, look, so you've got these, these multifaceted, going back to the list, you've got these multifaceted commands. Um, and I guess the, the second command is, is sort of the first command, but without that rubbish um, medium foot bowman spearman group, I guess. Yeah, it's just got a couple of light infantry, because again, I, I might be going for a desert, uh, in which case they're able to go through the sand dunes um, quite happily, yeah. or I might go, if, if, if I win the initiative against the Crusaders, I might put them, I might put a mountain terrain down. Um, they can whiz along. Suit me. And then that third command is, you know, kind of unusual with four light horse in it and one heavy cavalry. So, so is this one of your either on table or off table flank march commands or exactly um the by having by having uh and that you know you might think well gosh going for a competent but the whole point is it gives you a 12 range for moving the light horse so i'd definitely be looking to be able to throw some of that light horse behind the enemy and threaten his camp, um, which again always puts people off. Uh, so I'd be, you know, I could move the four light horse together if it was warranted, or I can have the three shooters together, you know, and three elite shooters. If you can st sit on the end of a line, that starts to get a bit nasty. That's a bit nasty. Um, with, and light cavalry impact hitting anybody from the flank or rear again it's it's not a lot of points but it has yep. a lot of potential yeah but no, if I, you I see that. It, you're not going to miss it too much no and and dave you know I, I can see straight away there are you know the two things you're going to love about this you've got a block of a bowman and a mediocre bowman so you're happy for that and <laughs> um and <laughs> but you're also going to say that that third command should be four instead of five, so you can stick it in ambush, aren't you? Especially with I, the strategist. I, I, but, um, I'm very much of that argument. You, yeah. You'll see it in my list. Um, I think the interesting part about this is the, there's a lot of expensive troop types in the AE build list, and that makes it difficult when you're fighting against all those knights. Um, if you've got the Mamluks, they're 13 points. Essentially, they're the same price as a knight, and they've got to do at least one hit before they can you know, at least two hits, really, before they can start thinking about fighting the knights. Um, I think, so the issue you've got is you want all this command and control by having strategist and brilliant, but the, the difficulty you have is keeping the numbers of the army up above even 20. Um, I think Richard's done a really good job here. The one great benefit he has is he's not got any medium cavalry in there. Um, you'll see from my list, and I'm probably, I'm, I'm guessing, I haven't seen yours, but I'm pretty guessing that yours is going to have a lot of 
medium cavalry impact. Oh, I, I love medium cavalry. I think they're amazing, amazing value. The only problem is these ones can't be made mediocre, which makes which yeah. is my favourite troop type. But yeah. But having fought medium cavalry, you know, I've, I've used a Byzantine army with medium cavalry, and it got mown down by the <laughs> lion half, half crossbow, yep. half spear. They just walk across the table, and every time they shoot you, they hit. Are you um? Are you are you fancying your um your crusader list against this one? Or are you or are you looking at this going? This might be just a little bit too squirty to get hold of. The one yes, I, I do fancy it because the one thing I worry about there is. Richards has put some terrain troops into the army, which is the three medium infantry. Um, I would worry that because they're mediocre and bowmen and things, heavy infantry will must march into terrain if it's rough rather than difficult. Obviously, um, it will march in and kill them. So I'm not sure they've got, you know, they can slow down somebody with some terrain there, but I'm not sure they're, you know, they've got the full option to hold it too long by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 my list, I've put a few more impact in there. I've, you know, taken that risk with the medium cavalry. I, I definitely think um, Command 3 should be four rather than five, but then that's just a, my just choice. Yeah. No, I, I must admit, looking at it, thinking with, with the head up, um, you know, as if I was commanding my own um, Crusader army, I'm looking at this, and I think as I inferred when I was asking some of the questions earlier, I'd be kind of relieved to only see two impact heavy cavalry because with, with my army of a comedic amount of mediocre spear, I'm much happier trying to throw them into a war of attrition against um, heavy cavalry bow, even if they can evade. It's it's the impact cavalry that become a problem, as you've said, to to drive away and push away. Um, but... But, you know, there's a lot of elites. There's a lot of armor in it. Um, you've got, what, two, yeah, three, four, five, five, six or so elite um, heavy cavalry there, which is still almost as good as impact and, and is a lot better than mediocre when it comes to a war of attrition. So it would be a really, really interesting matchup. But, you know, let's move on and have a look at the next one. So Dave, um, we're on to your Ubid. Um, we just had a discussion about ambushing commands of four and um, and your army of 21 appears to be a four, a 13 and a four. And um, nah. you've got Saladin as the strategist. So so you've got straight away, I know that you've got three ambush markers to, to hide your two small commands in, but but you've only got an initiative of three, which which with a, a mounted, sort of mounted army and, and a strategist seems seems quite an achievement you've got competent strategist and ordinary and and 13 in that middle command so so other than you know the default of they're all going to be an ambush um tell us how you've put this together what you're thinking you're going to be facing in a crusader list okay so um we've talked about mini commands um i think i'm going to put down command number one first and put it very wide on one side of the table and hopefully and that's um and that's yeah. that's two two elite mamluks heavy cavalry bow and two elite turkmen like cavalry bow a textbook exactly. hokey little shooty command and it's got a command it's got a competent commander included um you know it, it's difficult not to include commanders and you know i would have loved another brilliant commander but I've, what i've ended up doing is two 
micro commands. Now that first command, I'm hoping somebody's going to match up quite a large command against that, and then I can turn and zip off to somewhere else in the table very quickly. Um, what I'm kind of hoping for is a piece of medium terrain one third of the way into the table, something like that. And I can put that micro command out there and then rush that behind the terrain, get it to the other side of the table so I can gang up with my good troops on one side of the table. In the second command with the strategist. Actually, sorry, just, just sort of thinking about that. Because again, that's something you did in, in the game we played at that, that Byzantine Civil War that's that we you can watch replayed on YouTube as well. Um, in and it is that point of in Art de la Guerre, there is six, seven, eight turns before the game is resolved, um, usually. And the the delaying a big opponent's command by by just giving it a lot of distance to cover before it can actually get involved in fighting is a very, very legitimate tactic. You know, space, space and time really neutralizes quite a lot of the army. You you can really gang up on stuff in in these rules you don't have to match people um all the way across the width of the table which is which is a mistake i think all of us still make occasionally but yeah no and that's a good command for running away from it but but your your saladin command with the strategist your 13. well i've gone it's kind of very similar to richard's army i've got some so i mean i did look at having an entirely mounted army and i found that was a real struggle to get to and i had too many medium cavalry in there so the strategist command Essentially, I've, I've, I've bulked up on the medium troops, but there's a bit of thought in that. I can combine my medium infantry in terrain together. So I've got two medium swordsmen, impetuous, and javelinmen to give them width and a bowman. So Three javelinmen? That's a lot of javelinmen, isn't it? That's that's getting to your... Well, um... There's another thought I'll come to. Hold that thought. Because okay. there's another point in that. So I could, you know, if the terrain is my way and I've got something, some terrain to dominate to hold down one wing, I can get together a six wide infantry unit, you know, one bowman, two, three javelinmen and two Ghazi. At a push, I've got a strategist to control the Ghazi and make sure they keep in control. But the other option there is that I use the ambush ability of this army with the strategies of three ambush markers to put the Ghazi into an ambush. And what, I, what you could actually do, and I've used this before, is have the three javelinmen on their own working together as one group now if i if i was fighting your spear army and i've distracted the knights you know that you can put those um three javelinmen together and they can hold up one entire command on their own in the same way that light horse but they can also pin troops they can move slide and they can fight into the flanks so they can actually form a kind of you know, you could actually put down the strategist first, put three um, javelinmen very, very wide and have Saladin and the rest of the troops quite a long way away from them. So they can, so they operate as one, they can operate as one group on their own. And I think they're a great delaying troop, even against Then you've got a pretty, then you've got a pretty pokey cavalry command also under Saladin, you know, this sort of two, two and a half sub commands, command under the strategist with, Three medium cavalry impact. See, you've seen the light. Fantastic. Um, two Mamluks elite heavy cavalry bow, and then a two heavy cavalry impact. So you're you're going for that. You've got seven um, proper cavalry. Five of them are impact, and and two of them have got bow. So that's that's quite a, an aggressive force. But that's that's going forwards, isn't it? 
the idea here is that um, what I want to do is combine up all the heavy cavalry bows together. So you've got two. Two eight, from the first commander, two from the middle, yeah. yeah. Basically eight heavy cavalry bow, which are much better at fighting against bowmen in the open because they've got the armour ability. So if they can go forward as a group, they can pin, control enemy knights, pump out a lot of shooting, and then you want to keep the Kurds and the medium cavalry impact behind the lines or get them with to get them into that, you know, to, you want to if you can create a V and evade in a certain way and pull the knights into those charges, you're going to try, you want to try and get those options to get the medium cavalry and the heavy cavalry to, as Richard was saying, to operate into the flanks. Yeah, because all, all these commands work together, don't they? Because you, you've got that four, third command, which is a Charismian ally of, of four heavy cavalry bow. One of them's elite with a with an embedded general, and that's actually quite unusual, isn't it, to see a, a mounted command with no light horse. So, because it's all heavy cavalry, it can, it can join up very neatly with with the heavy cavalry in the center command, or the two heavy cavalry in the first command, and, and make it as you say, you you get eight shooters and then five impact cavalry as well, which is is a pretty decent um, width, but but it does pump out a lot of a lot of decent shooting with um with the four yeah five of them are elite shooters three of them are ordinary shooters in heavy cavalry that's that's chucking out quite a lot of stuff it can also operate in the same way as command one and be very very wise because it's allies someone else is going to not want to come up and spring it you know until they really yeah. have especially because a one and things like that so you can offer it out there you know you can put it a third of the way of the table in and say to the opponent if you want to operate against that, you're going to have to make it reliable. You're going to have to come forward. And then hopefully, again, like the other one, is it can spring off into the same position. Or it can come faint, vaguely down the centre of the table, shooting as it goes. And with the other two commands bringing their two heavy cavalry bow in to support it, to give yourself that eight shooting. And hopefully that's as wide as any knight command. Yeah, well, it's going to dish out, you know, it's almost better shooting than, than either of those infantry formations that me and Richard are putting together. But Richard, what, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, I think it's, you know, it's got a lot of flexibility. Um, as Dave says, you know, yeah, you've got an allied command, but, you know, chances are your opponent would have to spring it. Um, it's... For me, I would have preferred one or two more light horse in, in one of those commands because if you have Saladin on one flank, you're kind of then hoping that there is a bit of terrain for the javelinman to, to hold. Um, I think the Ghazi in support of the impact cavalry against foot could be good. Um, but I think that the danger with them is, is that they end up forcing you to attack when maybe you wouldn't want to because the strategist has got quite a lot to do there because the cavalry are likely to break into two groups. You might have to control the manage the Ghazi. That would be my worry is that you're you're asking Saladin to manage a lot of troops, some of whom are impetuous, and they're all different combat roles. Um, 
Yeah, actually, that's a good point. They they do all go forwards, isn't it? I suppose looking at how you would would or could shuffle them around in a different way, um, maybe there's an argument that that the heavy cavalry bow and the light cavalry bow, almost that command one, would be a better second sub command for Saladin to command as well as the infantry because it it can sort of run away and it's not got loads of complicated things to do whereas the the heavy cavalry impact are going to need quite a lot of someone's attention to get them in the right place you can you can get them wrong if they get um get in the wrong place maybe there's a there's a question about swapping some of that balance around but but then again you know if that I've still got that vision of eight heavy cavalry bow in a row, five of them elite, and thinking, you know, my mixed shooting formation moving up to that is probably outgunned, which is because eight heavy cavalry in a row is just a big number, isn't it? I think that gives Richard the Lionheart's... Um, I mean, ha- having been trounced by what we call scutatory, the half-and-half spear and bow units before, I think that, you know, having all those... Heavy cavalry bow gives those guys a bit more thought, a bit more issues. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I probably need to rebase and repaint some of those mixed bows up actually, because they do feel better the more, um, the more you look at it. But no, but that's they're, um, they're not allowed to charge. No, but they are they can... allowed to charge if the unit they're charging is in support. Yeah. So yeah. what you do is you hit them with one spearman and that allows everybody else to go in. So you close to less than one base width so, so the charge is free. You charge with one spearman and then the rest are allowed to go in. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, actually, I, yeah, if you get close, it's free points, isn't it? I agree with what you're saying about this list of having, you know, splitting the medium troops into one command. But I think having those two... Micro commands gives it a lot of flexibility. I think I really like that idea yeah. of, you know, and if the Ghazi have to be left to go and charge into something stupid and then you have to sacrifice it, that, you know, you, you, you can get some more command control, but you, you, you know, you, 21 is much better than 20 in an army size. Yeah. Yes. No, definitely. And, and actually, I think if looking at it the other way around, if you do look at um, both mine and Richard's, um, um, crusader lists you are we're both there with stodgy width and this is an army that is is just absolutely going to concentrate on one of those commands and and the stodgy width is going to struggle to do much about it um, because because those two micro commands can just leave acres of space empty and and leave a line of spearmen looking a bit daft quite quickly really um and that's that's one of the great things about it so it's, it's thinking about it as an army that that redeploys and, and has a lot of punch in one particular area. And then I guess once you throw the punch in, you're committed and you're rolling the dice and you're you're just trying to avoid the the knights. Um I don't know how it would fare against yours. Um particularly you you'd be trying to avoid your own knights, wouldn't you, really? Well, I I would use the javelin men in front of the knights. Because the javelin men, okay, you, you know, you keep them say five away, but the, the javelinmen march up to stop the knights double moving and then they turn around and start moving back towards their base edge. And yeah. those three javelinmen can occupy six spearmen, maybe eight spearmen, or you know, six knights. They can, you know, you've got 21, uh, what was it, 24 points in it. Yeah. You're just, you know, you're just yeah. mess around. No, it's, it's, 
It's definitely Unless interesting. Your opponent list. gets behind them with a light horse. Yeah, <laughs> then it's and tricky. Then you go yeah. and kill the light horse. Then you try and kill the light horse. But look, an interesting list, and let's um, let's move on to the the final one of the six. This means war. Right, well, look into the final final furlong here as we come up with the the third of our Ayubid list and the sixth list in this this particular podcast now this is mine um again i think i've i've probably fallen a little bit victim to the try and be a bit over clever but but then again this matched pair format does actually allow you to do that mental game of of paper scissors stone a little bit more um with a little bit more confidence that you know what you're fighting against and, and maybe that's something we should we should talk about a bit later on but what I've done here um, with Nayubid list, I've I've ducked Saladin, um, tempting, but I've for what this army is, I didn't think it quite was was necessary, and I've got a, a rather chunky twenty six, but everything about this list is thinking that it is going to be fighting a Crusader list, which has been optimized to fight the theoretical Ayubids, and um, and I think Richard probably your your list and my list are kind of the the textbook opponent that this has been designed in mind of i mean i my my thought process was the crusaders will worry about having their knights being picked apart and the rest of it so they will go heavy on on the bow and those mixed shooter formations and the rest of it and there are to beat the crusader list um not to outmaneuver it but to to just get in there and beat it and and have a good old crack at it which is kind of a lot of my play style you are going to need to defeat a chunk of spearmen and mixed spear bow to to really crack it and, and and also catch it out as well to do so quickly rather than you know dave's your theory was about developing into one area and redeploying this is like oh oh i've caught you on the back foot so what i've got i've got a 13 um, a four keeping dave happy and a, a nine and the 13 and the nine are both run by brilliant generals the other ones in ordinary included so the um, the four is the simple one to talk about. It's it's a textbook small delay sneak round a flank, maybe an ambush, maybe a flank march command that you can live or live without. Reasonably pokey though. Um, two Mamluks, heavy cavalry bow. One of them's elite with a general. There's a medium cavalry bow, Turkoman, because that gives you a bit more shooting cheaply. Um, and then a Bedouin light cavalry impact, so that this can bully anybody else's four. Um, on the assumption that other people's four is is too heavy, too light, um, and the light cavalry impact is going to match up. So, so that does what it does. That's that's probably the most textbook straightforward. The the brilliant um, C and C. This is my pile into a line of spear command, um, and I'm thinking that people will either have the mixed spear crossbow or they'll have possibly the mediocre spear just to get the extra width. So, so I've gone for four. The four normal ordinary heavy spearmen that you're allowed in this list to, to upgrade to ordinary from mediocre. The two Ghazis, medium swordsman impetuous, a javelin man just to, to accompany the Ghazis, um, possibly, and to make this a decent-ish rough terrain force to make it three, if if that has to go three into the medium into the rough terrain. Um, I've stacked up the light tree bow to protect the spearmen from from any shooting on the way in or or possibly give overlaps in in rough terrain so there's three light infantry bow there as well so you've actually got 
seven infantry, if you count a javelin as a combat with with a screen of three, and then a little kind of supporting mini mini cavalry command of a of a heavy cavalry bow, Mamluk, an elite light cavalry bow, Turkoman, and a light cavalry impact Bedouin that again can support them on a flank or screen them or or whatever to give you some extra width and and operate whilst that that main command is just trying to charge at what um <coughs> what i suspect the the crusaders will think is a a solidish wall that can sweep forward with reasonable impunity and then the other side of it is is again doing a similar sort of thing and i think there's a an implicit assumption again in this design that nobody in this this match pair is really expecting much terrain or is wanting much terrain from either side so this is an army that can throw out a reasonable number of patches of terrain and get that um you know the i think what's, what's our cliched phrase the bow motorway um the strip running down the middle of the um, the table that suddenly becomes a problem for everybody um the two javelinmen here could operate with the Ghazis and the other javelinmen in the first command giving you a block of five if they operate together you've got a dave a dave special a normal bow and a mediocre bow um together to operate that so you've got four um four infantry that can go in terrain and do stuff and it's not great two javelinmen one bow one mediocre bow but it's better than anything the crusaders can really put into terrain so you can use terrain to to force flanks and and break up their formation and and cause them problems, and then a couple of medium cavalry impact. Um, there's a light tree javelin as well to to support that thing. Um, one heavy cavalry bow, couple of medium cavalry impact, and a, a light cavalry impact Bedouin, which again is sort of pushing at other people's command of four sort of shooty stuff and just trying to chase it off and charge it down. Whilst that that central command looks to well, sorry, that, that first command just looks to try and dismantle one of the big commands of, of bow and spearmen quite quickly before the other stuff, before the other sort of flanks cave in. Um, and it's it, it's sort of a delivery system for that and something to exploit rough terrain. And it was trying to it was trying to do this list a bit differently because when I was trying to pull it together as a a textbook Arab Muslim mounted cavalry army it, it does sort of fall into that that trap of it's maybe not as good as some of the others because it doesn't have a death star and it doesn't have the day lami and then you end up with a pretty bland 21 that that is just the same as lots of other lists so i was trying to get some some of the unique flavor of it and try and think of a way to attack how an anti-iubid crusader army would be put together so it's it's got a bit of lateral thinking in it um it's, it's got some unusual stuff but but something that can exploit terrain and something that can go frontally into a line of kind of crappy spearmen um that's that's really what i was aiming for um and i guess if someone turns up with 10 knights it might be in a world of hurt and hiding in terrain um and, and running around a lot but um but against the other two i think it could it could give them a good old go was was my theory but, but what do you guys think i i think it's it's i mean obviously the size is helpful um the fact that a lot of it moves at you know that a lot of the foot moves at three is helpful because you can stay out of the way of a lot of the knights um but it is it is 
you know, re reliant to a fair degree on having a fair bit of rough terrain. And if your opponent um, gets the initiative and goes for mountains or desert or something, you you could be pressed. And, and or, or just if they, you know, if they end up being able to deploy such that their spearmen are not in front of your spearmen, I think you've got a world of pain because then your spearmen yeah. are probably yeah. facing knights. So it it's one of those ones where the almost you win or lose before the before the first move. It's all about the terrain yeah. and the deployment. Um and you know, that can be true of a lot of armies, but that would be I think there's a lot going for it, but that would be my concern. And because it's got the heavy infantry and so on, your ability to redeploy. I mean, yes, the one of the small commands, mounted commands, could redeploy, but your infantry are fundamentally going to be where they start the game. They're going to stay there. Yeah. They're not going to. No, no, absolutely. And I think you know, it is, it is just hoping that um, or assuming that you can get one or two bits of terrain in decent places and and looking down that um, that crusade list and saying this is a list that has got nothing to do you know no ability to deal with terrain at all so so in the kingdom of um you know the one-eyed javelin man um yes. the, the the three javelin men are kings um or, or something like that to to cook up the world's worst metaphor so so yeah this this is partly um as i say playing paper scissors stone with against crusader army that i'd already written first um and partly it's there's sort of one way to do these these mounted Arabi armies and and to come up with a different way of doing it you've got to you've got to take some risks and and bend some some normal rules and and make some assumptions as well but it was just thinking this would if you were your crusader list and and suddenly a load of normal spearmen and impetuous swordsmen and somebody who can exploit rough terrain kind of plonks down in front of them suddenly you're like oh i didn't expect that um, mm, and, um and i think you know the the my own crusade list with it, this is where that theory i had of the two knights in the crusaders coming in as a reserve or coming through the line would suddenly work a lot better but if they've all been pushed over to flank or pushed over to one big block and and the terrain falls correctly so i guess knights would probably want to stay away from terrain um yes. you know you it's trying to set up the table such that there's an obvious place for the enemy knights and there's an obvious place for the enemy spearmen, which where you've got these not one dimensional, but, but yeah, I, I guess troop types who are very different spearmen and knights, you can often find a place and you've got commands which are, are dominated by one, one of those troop types. It sometimes does become a bit easier to anticipate the enemy deployment. I think that's a very good point and it, it is one of the arts of generalship is being able to read the ground and in a game you can actually manipulate the ground <laughs> to yeah. a degree to be what you want it to be you can not only read um, it you can rewrite it as well yes. <laughs> edit it <laughs> cut and back, do a bit of cut and pasting or something like that but but dave you're, you're looking um quizzical there um i think other, other than telling me my you know medium mediocre and average bowman is good and the commander four is good i'll, I'll take that as a given but um what, what do you think, I think um, you're going to put the cavalry in the center i assume and 
and then you've got two brilliant commanders on either side which are going to be capable of doing a lot of maneuvering i think richard's right you are dependent on terrain bit it's going to be vitally important and if the terrain doesn't fall right for you you have got some issues um one thing i i think we're both being really critical here i think no you know i'm not i'm not putting this up as a as yeah. a fantastic all-rounder list i think it's it's a how do you make this list different to yes. anticipate the way people might play crusader so you you're yeah. you're setting two 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 constraints on it there and saying you know could this give really mine and richard's lists um a surprise and and a challenge i i agree i mean having 26 and two brilliant commanders is a, is a benefit in itself um the one thing i'd fear is the four spearmen I'm, I'm almost tempted to say that heavy knights might have a go at those. Mm. You know, they're, they're, I mean, like the knights are down in the first round, but they're armoured, quite possibly elite. And once they're in, you know, contact, they can win on the, you know, as long as they don't drastically get ripped up in the first round. Um, the, the other thing I was, the one I was going to say is you've got light cavalry impacts on their own in three commands. Um, my experience of light cavalry impact is it seems like a damn good idea because they're up on the impact point when they're fighting light horse, but it tends to be that they get shot first. It never works, does it? Yeah. Horse, yeah. If you get light horse impact, I think at least two together works better. So what, what I might do is put the Turkmen elite into command two to make it all yeah. shooting and elite and then bring the two light horse uh, impact together with with a heavy cavalry you know that that works better but that's just me that's the way i no, actually I'm, I'm looking at that and and i think it, it's again it's another one of those easy list traps isn't it you think if i stick a light cavalry impact it will be better than the other guys light cavalry yeah. bow and and that will help me but you're right there's there is a a real quality in numbers and and this is a list with what one two um three four um four light cavalry in it but yeah, putting them in two twos rather than a one, a one, and a two would be better because then you're just saying, right, two light cavalry impact or even three. It's like they are going to mug something rather than you relying on a plus one in one round of combat to to do all the heavy lifting for you. So yeah, I think I probably could, with the benefit, particularly of having seen your army, Dave, that um, that last command of four heavy cavalry or four four heavy cavalry bow. Um, I think that's it is just that paper scissors stone and a block of whenever you've got light cavalry you think you've got to push it out to the wings um but having a block of four heavy cavalry can still do that but it can function much better in the, the middle so with the benefit of having seen your list i would probably shuffle around the cavalry to get one of those because there's a group of four or the three or four in, in each of those commands of, of mounted troops and I would probably shuffle that to have one that's more light horse heavy um, and one that's all heavy cavalry heavy um, and one that's, you know, a bit of a mix rather than the three the three mixes, which are all, in retrospect, possibly for an army that's so it's got to go in and, and hit the right target and hit it hard. Um, I think possibly my three blocks of, of cavalry are all a little bit too, um, too Swiss army knife. They're out mm. of kilter. With the with the philosophy of the rest of the army, possibly, um, so that yeah, that might be a might be a way that I would tweak this to try and try and put it down and um, 
and do that. But but it's really, a, you know, as we say, an attempt to make this army differently and, and make it play differently. And if, you know, if you were Richard the Lionheart trying to creep down the coast of Arsouf, um and you've designed your your kind of moving fortification um, to to creep along the coast and, and fend off harassing attacks from from light cavalry with with bows, having a chunk of spearmen and swordsmen just charge straight at you and, and try to fight your spearmen might cause you like oh that didn't work particularly well. Um, you know that that would be an interesting addition to the Battle of Arsuf, a heavy block of of six people who are prepared to completely stand up and fight against the. Um, against the Crusader infantrymen. Well, look, that's that's covered that um, list then. I think one of the, the two things that we tend to do, or we always tend to have a chat about the figures, which I think we should do. And I think it's an interesting question with this period that, um, from you know, 1100 odd or so you're sort of on that cusp of going from Norman style knights to to more cliched medieval knights by by kind of 1300 ish what 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 are your kind of views on on what these figures should be depicted by you know you, you can always go Hollywood and go for the fully sort of comparisoned and and military orders knights and that's straightforward but but where on on what i see as sort of a spectrum from norman style knights with kite shields to the more um what is it the heater type shields to the the full comedy um you know um medieval knight from um the monty python films where 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 does this army sit what what should these troops look like so i think at the beginning of the period second crusade you're very much Norman style, except that most of the knights would be in chain mail, uh, for, what is it, cap a pied, from head to toe, um, with probably more of the flat top type um, open helmet, ra- rather than the, the pointed Norman style starts to come in. The, the fully enclosed great helm is is more around the 1190s, 1200s. So if you're doing the Third Crusade, um, you know, uh, with Richard the Lionheart, and from then on, you you are talking much more, you know, the the that sort the of typical f- full chainmail. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think there was greater use of the horse barding um, in the Crusades, partly because it helped against the shooting, um, you know, and, and and so I think I think I would go for that that full horse barding, um, particularly for the knights. Um, again, they wore the surcoats that really came in in the Crusades to to help cool off the armor, uh, to stop it becoming you know so hot. So that's where that emerges. Um, so I think, you know, by default, I would go for all of that. If you were doing something particularly for the Second Crusade, then you could go for more of the Norman hybrid types. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the early Crusade is a Norman knights with a surcoats. I think it can get a very colourful army. I think the uh, silks and um, costume drama of the Crusades is where a lot of the colour came in from Europe, into Europe. You know, this could be a very colourful army. Um, 
I think there's a, there's almost a gap in the market for. I think we've got to pick. You know, in figure manufacture, we've got Norman knights in mail. Then we almost leap too quickly to the 13th century, where we've got a collection of small helms and helmets and things. But what we really need is a sort of figure in between. I'm not sure that you know. I mean, Essex do an awful lot of knights, and they're the default one to go to. But in other manufacturers. You almost want a figure which can be a crusader, whether it be in Spain or in the in the Middle East. He's got, as Richard says, the smaller helmets with a nasal piece. So it's, it's a mailed figure with a surcoat, but without the great helm. The flat helmet, yeah. It's that pillbox hat. Exactly. The pillbox There's hat. a real gap in the market for that, having just done this Spanish army, which is in essence is a large crusader army. There is a gap in the market where we don't have that figure. Essex yeah, do have... some nice ones in 28 mil, I know at least. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a few of those. Um, uh, and they work very well with the Italo Normans. Yeah. No, I, must admit, I always try and stretch my um I always try and stretch my two dragons Normans into the early crusade and then then flip into um a much later period. And then sometimes I try and sort of jam um, a few Merleton communal italian but they've got a very distinctive kind of sort of you know almost british second world war tommy type hat yeah um, the kettle hat, the kettle the hat kettle which are very relevant for this you know it works right. quite well for the crusade well some of those merleton ones have got surcoats then and, and kettle hats but not that that sort of square pillbox one um which is a, a challenge but um and then obviously from from the other side of it is, is there something more specific about the IU bids or is that into that that kind of slightly, I'm not quite sure the word where, in which manufacturers produce generic Arab ranges and, and that's actually reasonable, whether there's anything specific about Saladin and that era that you would want to represent in a, a an Arab army figure or, or whether you could, you know, about horse barding or, or, or particular styles of hats or anything. Is there any... Any reason to think they'd be any different to to anybody else? I think my Arabs I've done as I mean I I bought Lego Heroic and done as a generic. You know I started off in, with a I wanted an Arab army for Fog Ancients and I did a wanted a, a dynastic Bedouin army and that basically morphed into any possible Arab army you need because you've got a combination of heavy cavalry, medium cavalry with lance. And then you've got the gulam with the bow and those essential three troop types make it essential. And, you know, I, in, in my busy draws, there's essentially three, three draws of Arab troops, whether in, you know, that goes from uh, gulams to heavy cavalry to Kurds to medium cavalry Arabs to light cavalry with lance and light cavalry with bow on a very occasion. And then all the heavy infantry spear, medium infantry spear and bowmen. You know, and I think that range of Legio Heroica covers all that and does it really well. Yeah, Legio do some some of those interesting sort of half the, the Turks and the Kurds and things, which are halfway between Arabized headgear, but with with sometimes kite shields or other different sort of shields because well, I suppose they're separate shields anyway. But they do a few more of those kind of halfway between the two figures, um, which which fits maybe in some of these allied forces that that we've not looked at, but.
the other thing that um sort of strikes me and I, I don't know what you guys kind of think in in doing this exercise and and maybe you know thinking back to the the hundred years war one as well what we're doing here is digging out or setting out to dig out some of the less popular lists but but the idea of maybe for i don't know whether it's a club competition whether it's too difficult to do on a on an actual one day event or two day event but these match pairs is a really interesting challenge to to pull up lists where where you're using something that's not as popular normally you're restricting yourself an awful lot to to the choices and you do know broadly which army you're going to be fighting against you know i know we've done competitions down the club running over a number of months in which we've had sort of a mini league or something but but i'm just wondering if there's there's scope for for a matched you know a list of matched armies that that you could say either bring them along to a one day event which may be a challenge or or over the course of a few months you're just picking from any of these um any of these combos whether, whether that just gives people a slightly different challenge and, and a more historical flavor i think it would i think it's particularly a more historical flavor and i think what's interesting is quite often some of the most popular uh, periods like um hundred years war or the two we've just looked at or the ancient britons and romans aren't always the most successful open competition lists but when you match them up you, you're much more able to to focus on their their strengths against likely opponents so i think it gives a more rewarding game um you know in, in a different kind of way and it, it sets yourself a different kind of challenge but uh but i would be up for it i mean there some of the competitions i think you know campaign often has these very tightly themed where you only have a choice of four or five possible yeah. armies and uh i always find that much more um interesting in a way than knowing you could face anybody because then you end up having to create almost a generic swiss army list type army it's, it's much more fun if if you can truly play rock paper scissors yeah well i suppose with um actually but once you get down to two there's sort of a completely different dynamic because with campaign with the choice of four i think the last time campaign ran um i think i took egyptians new kingdom egyptians in the type period and i think we played seven games and i fought six new kingdom egyptians which um you know that, there's a challenge and there's a challenge really isn't there? but but just saying you know um down if if maybe we should um you know go offline and and come up with a list of these matched opponents um maybe to give us a, an agenda for some of the stuff going forwards because it's an interesting format but but to kind of put that out there and say here is a list of 30 40 textbook matchups and if you're playing a game or a competition you, pick, you the two of you agree to pick one of those matchups that you can do and all the games in the competition have to be from that but it's it's kind of a ladder or a league or something so it gives people some flexibility that they're not forced to bring hundreds of armies along but but it just creates a different different framework for it to make it more interesting yeah and i think it's particularly fun if you both get to play each army you know you, yeah. you play red and they play blue and then you swap round yeah it'd be great if you you know like like we do in i mean i know this would be difficult with the central london one day is because i mean four games in one day is a stretch for anybody but if you had four games in one day where you did two of the 
crusade and two of the Arab and swapped around, that would be really good fun. Um, well, I'm not sure, honest, Dave, I'm not sure I'd want to play you twice in one day. Would you you'd be playing different people? Would you? No, play different people. But play different people, right, okay, yeah. You have to do the Crusades twice and you have to do the Arabs twice. Yeah. And vice versa. Um, it would create another dynamic in that way. I think, in essence, what you're actually doing is actually pitting a troop type against another troop type, which in itself has got a lot of fun. Um, yeah angle to it you know if you did as we did the early podcast with the ancient british against the romans or something that you're essentially saying right this is how impetuous barbarian infantry fight human impact infantry this is you know you're setting a task and in this you're actually making people play spear against each other which is interesting yeah which is unusual okay well look, i think there's some um, there's some interesting ideas there we trotted through some some interesting and and again some of the the less popular in and even in themed or you know in period competition never mind open um army list but found some some good nuggets in them and um we will go away and pour over the army list books and um and consult them again so if anybody out there's got any any suggestions for for lists or match pairs of lists they'd like us to have a look at um get in touch with us through through facebook or website or youtube or whatever and um and if you're listening to this on audio don't forget to go onto iTunes and, and upvote us on um, give us a review on iTunes, uh, ideally five stars, unless you think it's rubbish, but you won't have listened to the end if you think it's rubbish. So so we're probably safe on that one. Um and um, with that note, we will um we will leave you again as we we both all three of us ride off down the coast of um of the Battle of Arsouf and and wave at circling clouds of horse archers harassing us on our way back to our normal days. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.